Now that today fundamentally changes the role of an entry-level performance marketer for me because my, my first 12 months certainly industry was downloading this set of data from AdWords and then downloading this set of data from the client and putting them together and writing commentary and drawing a line. Now, if that is becoming automated as of today, then I think that poses a real question to the industry of how we're going to deal with entry-level talent. Hello and welcome to Performance Marketing Unlocked. I'm Lucy Shelley and today in this episode we will be unlocking the future generation of performance marketing. And with us to unlock this topic we have WIC, a digital marketing social enterprise focused on teaching performance marketing to students from underrepresented backgrounds. We will be discussing why these changes are important in the industry, how businesses can build more diverse teams and what there's still left to do. And joining us today to talk about this fantastic company and mission, we have Rob Jackson, founder of WIC Digital, and Noel Good, a previous alumni of WIC and now client leadership assistant at OMD UK. Welcome to the Unlocked Studio, guys. How are you doing? Hello. Yeah, great. Really, really glad to be here. Thanks for having us. It's very exciting to have you both here. So you have both sides of the teaching course that you do and talk about not only the story of WIC, but the important changes needed in the industry, why they're important, not only for diversity and inclusion, but also for business goals. But I'd like to ask you how it all started, but also what was your initial ambition for WIC? Yeah, yeah. So I guess like all businesses, it, it started with a couple of challenges that we identified so I've been in digital marketing for the best part of 20 years. I've done every type of agency. I've been client side. And I think particularly looking at the bigger agencies who thrive on entry-level talent, we saw that the, there was a bit of a dysfunctional relationship with it. There was a, a lack of diversity in the industry generally, but also attracting quality entry-level talent and retaining it is, is quite tricky. There is a, a serious operational cost and fiscal cost to getting it wrong but big agencies particularly thrive on that entry-level talent so we saw those challenges that businesses were having we also saw that the UK has a problem with inequality of, of access to opportunity we're, we're one of the worst western economies when it comes to equal access to opportunity if you are an ethnic minority in the UK uh, according to a parliamentary study you're two and a half times more likely to be unemployed if you're a person of colour in London and you have a degree, you're three and a half times more likely than your white counterparts to be unemployed as well. So there are serious challenges about access to opportunity. And then in front of us, we have this incredible industry, performance marketing, that has this thirst for talent. It's constantly growing. Uh, it offers incredible social mobility. And we thought, can't we bring these challenges together and have performance marketing as, as a solution? There's a lower barrier to entry uh, compared to things like you know, coding and engineering and stuff like that. And so we wanted to build an organization, a program that not only helped young people access opportunity, but that worked for business as well. And we took the idea to the Prince's Trust in 2019. They commissioned a pilot. And yeah, now we've, we've trained over 500 young people. They've been through the program. One um, of which is sitting here. One of which is right here. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's, so it's an 11-week course, full-time. It's very much focused on practical skills and hands-on uh, collaboration. 
uh, we've made it super accessible so it doesn't matter you know if you've got a degree and whatnot and I guess our ambition at the beginning was to see if it worked and mm -hmm. now we have the data that shows if young people come to, to us they come to us and they have that willingness and desire to to, to make the effort then we can take care of the the coaching the skill development and get them to kick down the door into the industry and yeah we've, we've maintained over 70 percent of our trainees mm -hmm. uh, land permanent jobs and yeah like you said one sat right here this is the living success of Wick Digital right 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 here with us so you did it for 11 weeks and you started at OMD a year ago yes how did you find the beginning of Wick what were your thoughts on performance marketing as an industry and how has it helped prepare you for I didn't know anything about marketing didn't know anything about the industry especially so I went on to Wick initially because I mean, to be quite frank, I was doing it more of an entrepreneurial way. I remember. And this guy basically had to convince me there's a thriving industry and it's really exciting. And he wasn't lying. One of the things that WIC does really well is sell the industry and it gives you the skills that you need. I think before, I didn't really know much about the industry. And when I'm being told that the amount of roles there is, it's media, there's so many places that you can go and navigate. Yeah. I think once you're in the, through the door, no matter what role you get, like the, literally the world is your oyster. If you wanted to go brand side, you can. If you wanted to go sales side or media owner side, you can. If there's a particular industry within media that you like or brand that you like, then you could get there and there's a way to do that. So I think that's what I find exciting about it. There, there's places that I can go that I didn't think were, were possible for me. Yeah, I think I remember, Rob, when I first met you and you were talking about it, it was also kind of correcting what people think performance marketing is. Absolutely, yeah. So, I, and this, I remember your interview, mate, and you were like, I'm actually going to start this incredible startup. And I said, I tell you what, do a couple of years in this industry and you will be much more said. equipped to do something yourself. Because that, that's how I started as well. I actually did a few years in, in an agency and then started my, my own company. But you're right, it's about driving the awareness of the opportunity that a career in performance offers. And so what we do is we have... Um, Young people apply on the website and then we host these taster days and uh, we do that meme where here's what my friends think I do and and we have to be very upfront that performance marketing is not, you know, you're not going to be running Stormzy's Instagram account, you're not going to be doing influencer marketing with celebrities, it's numerical, it's data heavy, it's got a lot of spreadsheets, you know, you're working at a, at a machine but the scope and the scale for professional development and what it can offer in the long term is is fantastic so 100 percent um i i didn't see myself having a professional role i was doing construction before and i quit that to go into digital marketing i was earning good money now i'm not to say that i'm on bad money especially compared to other people that i do speak to so i'm still quite well off but at the same time i've taken a pay cut but it's been worth it there's things that i'm doing and places that i'm going and like you say, the skill set, the professionalism that I wouldn't get anywhere else. And I didn't think I would, I was even, not to say welcome, but I didn't see myself in a position like this mm. like a year ago, two years ago. So um, I'm very grateful to Rob. I tell him all the time and the things that he's doing for young people is incredible. One of the things I love as well, um, in we've placed over 100 candidates at Omnicom now. So there's also this incredible community mm. of Wickers 
uh, within the industry who support each other. And Noel is fantastic. Whenever we have a new hire come in, you're straight there, welcoming the people, showing them around the building, <laughs> where the canteen Old is. Hat, that's it, that, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I love seeing that, that people who've come through our program and been able to access the, the, the industry are there then to support the next group who are coming through as well. It's really important. So you called them Wickers there. Let's. What does WIC, W-Y-K, what does it stand for? Why, why did that acronym begin? Well, I'm really glad you didn't call it Wicked because a lot of people... <laughs> A lot of people get us mixed up with a, uh, a certain Alcapoff. Um, <laughs> so WIC, W-Y-K, stands for what you know. So the idea being that it shouldn't be all about who you know to get ahead in life. But there is an irony there. So not only does WIC give the skills and confidence needed to launch careers, we also help young people build the beginnings of that professional peer network. Because that, in fact, it is it is really important to have a strong professional peer network and being able to ask advice uh, or, you know, get some feedback is is so massive on a professional journey that WIC absolutely looks to build the beginnings of that, that network for the young people as well. Everyone gets a mentor. You stay in touch with the trainers. You know, mm-hmm. we, we often see each other at community events and things like that. So it's uh, all about what you know, but it's slightly tongue-in-cheek as well. I mean, because I would completely agree that the industry is very community based. People really like uh, offering advice at our events. People just like getting to know other people in different roles within performance marketing because it is quite broad and it's also quite nuanced and very specific. So everyone's like, what do you do? You know, and understand the different roles, because I think the main goal of performance marketing is just connecting consumers to brands or products through good channels but also good storytelling and you can't have good storytelling without good voices and a diverse range of them so that moves beyond to the rating section of the podcast where we get to discuss what you think is underrated and overrated in the industry so i'll let you guys choose whether you want to start with underrated or overrated yeah let's go with with underrated um a slightly controversial one but I think coming into the office is underrated nowadays. Um, obviously, the world jumped forward with the pandemic and there's so much convenience from working from home. It can save money, especially people with families and things like that. Um, but I think particularly for this new generation who are coming into the industry, they lose out somewhat by not being in the office day to day. I remember um, when I started my career, being able to really see what great, um, professionals look like was quite inspiring and so being around people who were really creative really innovative and you know really hard-working professional was was quite an inspiration to me early on in the career and so what we've got now is a, a group of people coming into the industry who are only getting that two days a week mm-hmm. and and then when mm-hmm. they do come to the office often um, more senior peers are quite busy as well because yes. they, they want to utilize that time I don't know, how, how have you found it mate? I think taking it back to your point you said a second ago about how the industries the there's such a wide spectrum of roles and responsibilities and what people do in performance marketing and being in the office I was the person that was just asking every single person I see what do you do <laughs> like, it doesn't matter how senior they are I think that's another thing about being in the office every day for me when I first started there's not really a sense of hierarchy everyone wants to talk to you you find yourself in the canteen or having lunch with people that are quite senior and it's just a normal conversation they're not vetting you and seeing what you do in a in a kind of looking down on you way they're they're quite genuine in there they want to give you advice and they want to help you and they want to see you do well so I think the industry 
just sharing that knowledge, you're not going to get it from from working from home. Yeah, and I think with, with like the sort of Gen Z as well, you know, we we like to dump on them sometimes with some of the behaviours, but they're not getting the cues from the industry in terms of what the expectations are from a professional point of view. And mm-hmm. I think it's it's just really important that employers remember that that they have a role to to um, you know really showcase that behaviour that they're looking for 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 new professionals coming in. I think what you said there is actually really um, kind of exemplifies that. It's asking people, what do you do? Yeah. What, what do you actually do? Yeah. You know, you might have this job title, which in some kind of way explains what you do. What do you actually do? Take me through yeah. your day to day. I don't think I've offended anyone yet. Maybe <laughs> maybe I have and they haven't said anything. But um, yeah, just ask them what they do and, and what that role entails. What do you do on a day to day basis? That might be your title. But what does that mean that you do? Who do you speak to? What kind of projects are you on? What kind of pieces of work do you have to submit? Because it's very different for different people. But people generally take time to let you know, give you advice, let you know how they can help you, ask them pieces of Excel advice, or it could be anything. But people are there generally, to, and they're, they're very, very helpful. So I do appreciate coming to the office a lot. And so you uh, said before we start recording that you work on the McDonald's account for yes. OMD. How has that been? Because that's a, a pretty it's, big client to work on. It's a pretty you? big. It's a pretty big client. It's um, one of the biggest in the agency, and it's a lot. There's so many different brands. There's so many different pillars to that, and I think the team's so wide. It's difficult to get your head around. I mean, I'm still not quite there, but I'm enjoying it. If I can manage this account, not solely, obviously, but if I can manage myself and on this, then I can pretty much do anything. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, having that on your CV, mm-hmm. I can go anywhere with that. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, again, I have to thank Rob for because who would have thought being working at McDonald's? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's awesome. And like you said, it's, uh, it's you never stop learning because... Yeah. Um, I mean, that that's, could be the set of any industry, but mm-hmm. particularly in this industry, it's mm-hmm. changing so much. Mm-hmm. Everyone's comp- constantly learning. And that's when I guess coming into the office is the kind of subconscious learning from other people yeah. that you get. That you, is, It's not a training course. It's not always someone telling you how to do exactly. it, but it's just picking mm-hmm. up on behaviors. I think one of the things we really try to instill from day one is how important curiosity is. I think time and time again, when we speak to employers and we say well you know forget like the technical skills and whatnot that are required to to thrive in performance marketing what what are the behaviors that you're looking for and time and time again employers tell us curiosity and so we really look to bake that into the program from day one so on the course we we try and limit the number of slides that we're doing like the Mm. normal sort of classic digital marketer approach of (laughs) death by powerpoint what we actually do is we curate content from around the web so different training courses that are free and available like the google digital garage and you know the trade desk uh, academy and we curate that content for the young people to work through themselves and then the, the the program itself is more discussion and collaboration around those topics and we're trying to sort of get that muscle memory built in of you know being on the front foot being curious being able to yeah i think stuff. going into meetings and Google Digital Garage helped all of these things that you do and you think sometimes they're a little bit boring or it's not a it's just print out certificate what are you going to do with that but it is invaluable when you're going especially new into the industry and you're having conversation with people and you're actually picking up on the cues of what they're talking about it helps and I think taking it back to understanding the social cues of other people when you're going into the office it also helps to be present more often because 
they understand you. Mm-hmm. And I think being young people, diverse people going into the industry, you're not going to speak the way they do, or you're not, it's very broad in terms of, there's a wide range of the way people speak to each other, um, the norms and the cultural backgrounds that people bring. So when you're firing your point across, if you're only there for one day a week or two days a week, they might misconstrued what you're saying. But when they when you're there, I'm I'm quite lucky. I've been with my team, um, client leadership coming to the office most days, and I've been there with them for a year now, and they understand me. So when I'm saying things, it's not misconstrued. They're understanding my thought process behind it. They're listening to it. Whereas if I was there one day a week, two days a week, they might just think, what, what's this kid talking about? They don't understand that the way that I'm thinking is just a little bit different from theirs, mm-hmm. but it does make sense. So I think that it does have that and a benefit of just coming into the office for yeah. that reason as well. Yeah, completely. I think it's from people. It's the value of the networking that you were saying, because I think that's where you learn most, especially. But let's let's move on from underrated. What do you think is overrated in the industry and needs a bit of kicking up the ass? Yeah, so again, potentially controversial, given that the industry we're in is so numerical. But I think maths tests at entry level are massively overrated. So the idea that maths is the leading signal of intelligence is actually dates back to the Victorian age. There are many (laughs) other ways that um, people can exhibit intelligence. And I think companies just reverting to hiring people who can pass an A-level maths test are doing themselves a disservice. They're missing out on great talent, basically. And I think there's a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to, you know, revert to methods like that. Um, Similarly, actually, you know, um, asking people to write a paragraph or two about why they want to be in performance marketing. And I challenge employers then and say, well, are you just looking for people who've got a degree in English literature? Because that's who's going to win that that, that assessment. So I think um, we've got data that shows that not having a maths GCSE, you can still thrive in performance marketing because we've got these wonderful things called spreadsheets and they do a lot of the legwork for us and can be, can be easily taught. Yeah, I did have to do a maths test for every application mm-hmm. and... It's, it doesn't make any sense. I've used Excel. I haven't used, I mean, I use a calculator. I don't need to use my head. It's, I still count my fingers. Yeah, like, <laughs> there's, there's, yeah. There's, there's so many different tools to use to do maths. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, I can agree to that. And that's definitely overrated. I think you also said before that, you know, theatre skills as well, almost. Because it's saying, mm-hmm. oh, you know, come and, uh, you know, do a presentation on why you, um, you know, need to get the job, or whatever. And it's, Again, it's recruiting people based on the wrong criteria, isn't it? Yeah, we normally see, like, on any given program, usually about a third go straight into jobs, and then a further third need that additional coaching. And so what happens is they go for roles, um, we get them to share the feedback from the hiring managers, and often it has been that they, they, weren't, they didn't come across as confident enough. And so I think, again, it, there's, a, there's a sort of bad habit to, to give the roles to the people who are the most gregarious in a in a group environment when actually there's plenty of roles for people who are not super chatty and, and outward and whatnot. That's one of the great things about digital marketing. It's so broad. There are so many different roles that people can thrive in regardless of your personality type. I think um, that also comes down to just confidence at the time. I mean, I was shit in interviews sorry excuse my language I was terrible in interviews it's alright if this goes out after nine we're good yeah I I was terrible in interviews and I'm thriving at work I've learned to come into my own in the role um 
you learn from the people in your team. If you've got a good team around you, then you will learn and adapt and overcome the things that were blocking you during those interview processes. So I think just give people the shot. I remember when you did your client presentation at the end of work. So we didn't say, actually, it's really probably our USP versus like other boot camps and training courses is that everyone who comes on WIC um, in the final month gets matched to a real world business when we build and launch live campaigns at real budgets which comes with all the trials and tribulations that it does in, yep. in the real world that the, the the students get exposure to spending real money for someone's actual trading business and at the end they present the results back and quite often it puts a lot of people in the west end to shame <laughs> so to think like i remember how nervous you were mate yep. you know at the yep. end of the program and then here you are client leadership year later i know i'm literally it. Yeah, I I don't know how I'd done it the first time. And I, I to be honest, I probably needed to fail then so I could thrive now. So it is good that they put you in those real world situations so you can then learn and take it to your next role. You do have experience. It's not a lie when you're putting it in your CV and you're going there and you're, you're going to smash it. I think that's um, another really important point there is the thing, I think most performance marketers that I interview say to me, failing's really important. 100%. And failing 100%. in the right way. So failing and learning why you failed mm -hmm. is almost more is definitely more valuable, I'd say, than getting it right first time. Definitely. We've talked about how, why WIC began, the mission that it's currently doing and started with. I'd now like to talk about the future. There's plenty more to be done for diversity inclusion across all industries, but particularly performance marketing. What challenges still remain and why is it so important for businesses to accomplish them? Yeah, that's, that's a really, really good question. So um, I think the IPA had a study out again recently that um, representation has gone up at entry level. And I mean, you walk around Omnicom and it, it's fantastic to see how diverse it is now. I think the next challenge is is creating pathways for talent, uh, diverse talent to thrive. And so we're still seeing, we're still not seeing enough female representation at leadership. We're still not seeing um, people from BAME communities breaking through into those more senior roles. And so I think there's a collective responsibility for the industry to, if those voices are different, if those ways of thinking are different to, to the norm, is to have pathways for that talent to, to to thrive regardless of background. We actually, something that we've seen, and I know I mentioned it to you last week on the call, is that um, with regards to our trainees, um, if there's a crossover of being neurodiverse and a person of colour, the retention rate in the industry is much lower than our industry average. Neurodiverse people generally do fine. People of colour generally do fine. But when, when it crosses over, we're seeing a dropout rate uh, in that first year. And so, you know, not pointing fingers at, at, at anyone, but the, the numbers speak to the fact that I think companies need to, they've really took on board the challenge of hiring different. They need to now really think about what they need to do to manage differently and to, yeah. to create these platforms for people to to excel. And and that involves different learning styles and different training methods and, and giving you know platforms for people as they're coming through the career. So I think that's a big challenge. I think the industry's up for it. Um but it definitely exists. Yeah. I think being a new joiner, it'll be interesting to see how people thrive and grow and progress in the industry from my level and from my background because like you say the entry level is increasing there are a lot of people in Omnicom and just in the industry in general that I see that the diversity has increased but I think 
just getting them into more senior positions mm. is probably the next the next and, big and the great thing is businesses don't have to do it on their own there's government funding there for this kind of stuff so WIC is mostly commissioned by the Princess Trust and by the GLA and uh, Department for Education and those organizations offer funding for employers to implement programs to uplift and support people once they're in the job. So we obviously get commissioned to bring them to the door, but there is government funding available to to really put into place the, the mechanisms and apparatus that are needed to help people thrive. I, I wanted to want, mention one more challenge, actually, because I, I feel like we can't have a podcast today without mentioning ChatGPT. Oh, uh, gosh, okay, okay. <laughs> I, know, I know it's probably, you're probably sick to the teeth of it now, but... I mean, when, when we first designed WIC, I extensively went out into the industry and spoke to senior people across different performance marketing uh, roles, and I wanted to know what skill sets they wanted. And there, there was even, you know, three years ago, there was a cautionary tale, like, like be careful because AI is coming. Um, yesterday, ChatGPT made available uh, the code generator um, for, for all uh, premium users. So I'm, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but what you can actually, essentially do is upload a massive spreadsheet into ChatGPT and it will analyze and correlate and look for patterns and create visualizations and graphics. Now that today fundamentally changes the role of an entry-level performance marketer for me because my first 12 months certainly industry was downloading this set of data from AdWords and then downloading this set of data from the client and putting them together and writing commentary and drawing a line. Now if that is becoming automated as of today then I think that poses a real question to the industry of how we're going to deal with entry-level talent. So WIC is already baking that into the syllabus. We're using um, ChatGPT as a platform for the young people to be more efficient in an early-stage career, but also to be more creative as well. I think it's got a role to play with that. But I think, for me, the, the, there's definitely a conversation to be had at, a, at an industry level about what impact that will have for entry-level mm, talent. I think, personally... I don't know what the potential possibilities of it are. It could be quite threatening for jobs, but at the same time, the human element, understanding the brief from the client and returning the correct story or narrative from the data is something that I don't believe could happen anytime, anytime soon from AI. And no, I don't you're absolutely it, right. I think it should. I think, if anything, it places a greater emphasis on that critical thinking, of on that course, creativity. So for me, I think it can be a tool that will uplift the industry. But what exactly as you said, we can't just sleepwalk into it, um, meaning there's going to be less jobs. I think what we need to do is really think about how it can be used as a tool to further our talent pool and further the mm -hmm. services that we deliver for, for clients and brands. I think that's a really important point. It, yeah, it changes the emphasis. It frees up time for people to spend more time with clients yes. and just nurturing that relationship, mm -hmm. which is an undervalued part of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, Rob, how does it make you feel when you look back at your first year and realising that was your whole, you know, your, a lot of your time was spent there in your first year and now that's been replaced by... Yeah, I mean, I hated it. <laughs> it's like, just being stuck in massive pivot tables for hours is, is you know, it was boring. and, and it, But it was a... It was a pathway for me to get to understand the mechanics of the industry, how the KPIs all fed into the overall bigger picture, for me to understand a client's business model. And then, and then it led to me to a point where I started working in multiple countries and I, I got my own department. And I, So I think we just need to make sure that there is a vehicle for onboarding talent into the industry that gives them those same benefits, that, that deeper understanding of the bigger picture, how all of the 
um, the underpinning numbers work for our campaigns and things like that. And I think that needs to be done in a very mindful way and a very thought through way. I'm, I'm excited for it, to be honest. I think there's, it's a challenge there to be addressed. And, I, and I'm really intrigued about how the industry will, will look at it. And before we move on to the biggest challenge that's going to happen within this podcast, which is the Resummy Pen Challenge, I want to finish with uh, a final question each. Firstly, for you, Noel, which is kind of how much do you feel the industry is doing enough at the moment for people from diverse and underrepresented backgrounds? And for you, Rob, what can businesses do as a simple objective to achieve better, better representation? I don't want to say that they're doing enough because there's always more that can be done. I think at entry-level standpoint, I feel like they're doing enough. Once you're through the door, I feel like that's where you meet more challenges. Mm -hmm. It's not over. Mm -hmm. You're misunderstood. You might not have people that you can turn to on a more senior level. I guess it comes down to the confidence point that you were saying earlier, mm. you know, not having seen people that are from the same background as you in these kind of positions, mm. it makes you question, is that a position for me as well? So it's kind of installing that confidence to retain yeah. people. But at the same time, I feel I feel like it's it wouldn't take much, not for me personally. I think just being told and knowing that you're, you're going to be okay no matter what, mm -hmm. we want you... We're we're gonna take time to to understand you and and listen to your points and exactly. you're going to thrive. That's enough. I don't need to see anyone else mm. because I I believe in myself and I think if enough people believed in themselves, then they will just continue. But it's you meet loggerheads when you start doubting whether you should be here, whether people actually accepting you, that whether people being nice to you because they're paid to. Like I I I thought that when I first started, I thought all of these people being nice to me because they paid me. Like, they're, they're, they're being paid to be nice to me. I've worked in construction. People are paid. They're not paid to be nice to you. They'll tell you how they feel. But in media, you go in in the office and everyone says hello. Everyone's really nice and smiley. And there's a unwritten I don't know it might be written I can't remember some of the training that I've done but you have to be nice to people you don't want to offend anyone you don't want to make anyone upset or but it's not like that people are genuinely nice people want to see you happy and well they want to see you thrive they want to teach you it makes their life easier when you don't have to keep asking them questions or turning to them about you know they can they can start handing you pieces of work that they don't want to do any more like checking spreadsheets and finding finding new. I think it's important that there, so. businesses recognise a one size fits all approach won't work. I think if you're going to embrace diversity, then mm -hmm. you know, time and time again, we see organisations just have a learning portal, and but there's so many different learning styles. Mm. And if you think like some people who went to uni are quite good at structured learning, and so things like portals can be quite accessible for them. But people who are neurodiverse who didn't go to uni then a portal can be terrifying for them and they, mm -hmm. they can't take on board that info. So I think acknowledging that um, if you are going to hire diverse um, talent, you need to have that that range of ways to uplift them once they're in as well. One, one of the big challenges we have, and this is it, I, m most young people who drop out mm -hmm. of roles, I speak to them. And time and time again, it would it's so easily fixed with a bit of managing upwards. It's, it's the same thing when they when they lose a job every time. Like managers too inexperienced, too busy, hasn't set out the clear goals, hasn't given them the framework of what they need to achieve, mm -hmm. and so that's the next step with WIC is that we're gonna we want to create something where we go in after they've got the job 
and coach them towards that first promotion, that first pay rise. Mm. But it's also working with the line managers to be like, you know, hey, have you given them the objectives for the probation? Have you given them the resource? Are they, are they clear? Because one of the things, that, and this is what I see time and time again, line manager gives a task. Person's quite nervous and says, yes, okay. And then a week later, they haven't done it and, all, and they build it all and they get really stressed. And then the manager gets stressed because it hasn't been done. And so having that resilience to say, you know what, I could just do with. Yeah, I think going back to your question, the industry is doing well, but retaining and growing young talent is vital. And I think in order to do that, they need to understand that people, diversity comes in so many different ways. Yeah. It comes in so many different ways. It's not just the, the way the person looks or even socioeconomic or even neurodiversion. Mm-hmm. It can be accent. It could be the way the person speaks. It could be, it could be anything. So I think just taking time to understand that and knowing that just because a person doesn't look, speak, sound, smell, whatever it is like you, they they do bring something valuable to the table. Perfect. Thank you. Well, I think that's a, a lovely way to end the the relaxed part of the podcast. But we now come to the bit which I must admit most people get quite nervous about. And they say, oh, the interview is fine. But now we've got the resell me a pen challenge. And our previous guest, which was Dwight Garrido, head of social and omni-channel at Standard Chartered, had tasked you with a tie. I don't know how you feel about being tasked with a tie to resell. What's the, what's the mood in the camp at the moment? I used to wear ties all the time. I, I, I <laughs> Why haven't you dressed up for the podcast, bro? <laughs> I'm a bit disappointed I'm now. the media. Everyone wears polos and T-shirts, and I'm probably the, yeah. the only person in my team that wears a shirt still. <laughs> so so I, I respect the tie. So let, let's imagine I'm... Holding a tie, right? You, you, you guys can visualise that. Wait, hold on, hold on. We're not going to start the sales pitch just yet. Okay, you remember you've got 60 seconds. Do you want to go straight into it? Okay. So, is this going to be a joint effort? You can sell the tie. I just want to say, you can't replace class. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to preface the sale, you can't replace class. But, Rob Jackson, you have 60 seconds to resell okay. a tie. So, I'm holding this tie. And everyone knows the best place to buy ties in London is on Savile Row, right? Everybody knows that. But what a lot of people don't know is that there's one shop on Savile Row where they make the absolute best ties. And then even fewer people know that if you go into that shop and you ask for Jeffrey, he will give you access to the most exclusive set of ties uh, that exist in the United Kingdom. Now, if you want a normal tag, off you go to Marks and Spencer's, go and get it. But if you want the best of the best when it comes to fashion and class, then this tie is the one for you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? Most of the marketers that I have that come on this podcast, they always preface their sale with, oh, but I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a salesperson. <laughs> Rob's, a, Rob's a salesperson. Yeah. You hear that? Can't you tell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh, what do you, what do you think? Have you been sold the new I'm tie? I'm sold. I'm going to sell the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Do you know what? To really get it over the edge, I would love to have seen a little performance marketing angle in there. That would have... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's some uh, geolocated remarketing when you go into the Savile Row shop. Yes. <laughs> They've got, the Facebook pixel has got you. <laughs> you used to be going down Savile Row and making them your new client next week. So, yeah, yeah, I might I might have to. Well, I have I've to. Got I've, I've got here. a strategy yeah, for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well... That is all we've got time for. But thank you so much for coming on to unlock the future generation of performance marketing, but why it's so important for businesses, not just the people in it as well. Mm -hmm. 
thank you so much for having us it's been a blast yeah thanks so much i appreciate it thank you very much for listening to performance marketing unlocked i am lucy shelley multimedia editor at performance marketing world where we write about all the news trends reports and everything you should know about performance marketing and how to make your brands and businesses do it better don't forget to like follow subscribe leave a review whatever you want to let us know what you think about the topics discussed in this week's episode and you can also head over to our linkedin community pmw unlocked to ask more questions network with the speakers and become part of the performance marketing community Thank you very much for listening and don't forget to join us next time.